Sit down, you rock and sit down, you rock and sit down. I don't know why I picked Sit Down, You Rock and the Vote to be the song that we sing because I've been singing Luck Be a Lady all like day. all day. Well, Luck be script. a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck if your lady is a lady and a lady. Luck be a lady. <laughs> Pitch perfect. Cackity, cackity, cacao. The entire opening number, I was fully like making those sound like the Bob the Drag Queen sounds the entire time. It was like, bah, but a cat could a cow. Oh, I Ooh, thought you were bah, doing bah, bah. a BB's Zahara Benet reference of like, oh. I would be very <laughs> cat you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is. Yeah, I'm. You can say it. Pussy bitch. <laughs> Just like. The no! so- just like the dolls were yeah. on stage. Oh, they were all little they pussy were all cats. Little pussy cats, that's true. Well, welcome back to it's March. It's mid-March. Where the Ides? It's the Ides. Oh, it's a beautiful spring day outside, I can tell. Mm. Wait, spring is not sprung. Nah, sprung. Let's 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 not predict that. That seems <laughs> yeah. unlikely. We just got our last snowstorm of of the of the season. I'm sure. I'm not going to predict that either. Um, <laughs> how how are you, Molly? How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I was just texting my sister because I bought some chocolate last week, and then I opened one up today and was like, "Why is this heart shaped?" Um, because I fully forgot that Valentine's Day is a holiday. So. <laughs> For listeners, we're recording about a week before Valentine's Day, so that was uh, that was my evening so far. Molly, would you like to know what RJ our oh. what our Valentine's Day tradition has been I'd since we've been married? Love to hear about it. We get Cheesecake Factory every year. <laughs> we either sense. go or we order it and take it to go. Pete Buttigieg gaze, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we catch us on your in the next uh, Dolly Parton musical on Netflix. <laughs> as townspeople, if you could be so lucky. Oh my god! God, if only. Could you imagine? <laughs> um, Molly, this week it's your turn to give us a little summarization. Hopefully, within a minute. Are you? This one's pretty short. I think I can do it. I think you wrote a very succinct. Uh, that's how you pronounce that word. Succinct. Yeah. Uh, summary. So I can't wait to hear it. Uh, your time starts now. At the film's opening, gangster Nathan Detroit needs $1,000 to secure a location for his floating craps game. Nathan runs into gambler Sky Masterson and ropes Masterson into the $1,000, a $1,000 bet that Sky cannot convince local missionary Sarah Brown to go to Havana with him. Sky convinces Sarah by promising her a dozen sinners present at her upcoming prayer meeting in exchange for going to Havana. In Havana, Sarah begins to fall for Sky, but when they return, Sarah discovers the gangsters running their craps game out of the, the empty mission and assumes this was part of Sky's plan. 
Guy then fixes the perceived betrayal by one, winning the participation of his fellow gangsters in a crafts game and bringing them to the mission for the prayer meeting, and two, telling Nathan that he didn't, in fact, take Sarah to Havana. All then forgiven, Sky marries Sarah in a double wedding alongside Nathan and his fiance of 14 years, Adelaide. Finale. Wow. That was, you had two seconds to go. Incredible. Our best one so far. Incredible. Uh, Love that Adelaide doesn't even get mentioned until the last sentence because she has nothing to do with the plot. She's my favorite character, but I couldn't find a way to justify justify. explaining what she's doing. Truly wild. Yeah. No, that was great. Good job. (laughs) RJ. What is your relationship to guys and dolls? I'm not going off script anymore. I'm not trying to come up with anything new in this question. I'm just going to say, what is your relationship to guys and dolls? Thank you. I was, uh, this was supposed to be, this was our senior spring musical. So this was the last show that I, that we had uh, while I was in high school. I chose not to do it because at the same time, we were really pushing forward on trying to win like first place at state for speech and debate. And like, I was kind of, I was vice president at the time toss toss. And we did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, my, uh, the president and I were really focused on making sure that our team was really ready for, for state. Cause we really wanted to be, be first. Um, so I chose not to do the musical. Uh, and then funny enough, I got staph infection that same uh, season. So even if I did do the musical, I couldn't perform. Did I still perform uh, for speech and bait? Uh, absolutely. I had a big old bandage on my face um, when I performed uh, for state. So, you know. Was I, this when you were doing your poetry slam reading? Yes, I was fully doing. In Molly, do you remember this? Usnavi poetry jam. That at. At freshman showcase, our freshman year, RJ's like monologue he did was like a spoken word, spoken word poetry. I Do said, you remember this? I said this piece is entitled "The Same Parts." <laughs> Stupid. Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I don't know that it seemed all that different from other people's monologues at freshman showcase. I'm sorry to my fellow alums, but I don't think I remember a single one of your freshman showcases. I wasn't in freshman showcase, so you definitely don't remember mine. Okay. Were you uh, preparing for your seminal role in that one play that Jonathan Wilson directed where you were an extremely convincing straight man? Straight drag. Straight drag, honey. Butch queen. Um, The category is straight drag. First time being straight. (laughs) No, I just didn't. You know, I, Adam and Bryce Gangle just have just great chemistry on stage. So, I think I was just like too fresh and I didn't, I was too nervous of like, I didn't know anybody and I just, I didn't want to put myself out there yet. So, yeah. As opposed to every other theater student that we had who couldn't wait to show off to everyone. Truly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's okay because then I, I a senior year, RJ and I hosted Freshman Showcase, and I got to we did a bit where I was like, "It's my turn to do Freshman Showcase," so I performed part of your world <laughs> reprise. Uh, great! I don't remember that either. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I only remember because we spent all day writing those jokes, and most of them were just pulled from the Golden Girls. Yeah, mm, that makes sense. M- Molly. <laughs> 
What was the, what is your relationship to guys and their dolls? The first production I saw was a high school production that my older neighbor was in. So I think I was in like elementary even school or middle school. She played Adelaide and she was amazing in my estimation and I like totally loved it. Um, other notable productions I've seen were um, a JCC that I worked at one summer. They did it not the summer I worked there, but the next summer. And then when I came to like support them and stuff, I was hanging out with the director and he was like, I did not realize how Christian this show was before I picked it for the JCC, which oh, was no. extremely funny. Um, I also at Oregon Shakespeare Festival saw Mary Zimmerman's production of Guys and Dolls. And before oh, no. I saw it, I remember I texted Julian and I was like, I kind of hope it's like just guys and dolls and like she doesn't do anything Straight to it. Because for listeners, absolutely. this is like an experimental Chicago director who like deconstructs texts and stuff. And yeah. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if it was just guys and dolls? <laughs> it was just guys and dolls. It was, it was no commentary. There's no like visual moments or like any like it was no just puppets. guys and dolls. The director's note was like, I think this is a perfect musical and I've always wanted to direct it. Here you go. You know who she shares that in common with? This is Bob Fosse's favorite musical. Oh, he said that's his, very interesting. He has a quote that where he was like, it is the perfect American musical theater piece. Yeah. Wow. Which is I, crazy. I kind of agree. I feel like when I think Golden Age musicals, this is like top of the list of like perfect example of what a musical is to me. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is The Simpsons. Um, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Mark Hamill is in a local community theater production of Guys and Dolls. And when they cut to it, it's just him on stage going, Guys and Dolls, we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. Oh, yeah, 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 guys and dolls, guys and dolls. And I used to sing that with my siblings constantly to the to the place where despite the amazing music in this musical it is still the first thing that plays in my head any time that somebody says the title so that is my uh, myriad relationship guys and dolls we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls this is a conceptual nightmare i mean nathan detroit would never wear this and this song isn't even in the show I don't have time for this. I got 75 shortcakes to strawberry. Now get out there, Luke. <sighs> guys and dolls. We're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want the mayor dead. I want his wife dead. I want his cat and his dog dead. That is so funny. I will say one uh when our school did it, Matt. Listener of the show, Maddie, my best friend, was nicely, 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 mm-hmm. and he he really rocked the boat. He really did. He, he did truly did job. rock it. He really rocked it. So my <laughs> background with the show, I, I do, do, I this is I do, this is one of those weird golden age shows that I do not know. I had never seen the movie. Very rare for I had uh-huh. never famously listened to Golden Age Gay. I famously Golden Age Gay. G A G. A gag. A, da- a gag. A gag of all gags. A gag. <laughs> um, I, I knew like the big songs. Like I knew Bushel in a Peck. I knew Adelaide's Lament because I'm a character actor. I knew I'm a character actress. Sorry. And I knew um, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. And I knew Luck Be a Lady because I think it's at this point very hard to escape Frank Sinatra's version of Luck Be a Lady, which we will have mm-hmm. the pleasure of listening to in a little bit. 
Um, but I did, had no idea what the show was about other than like gambling. So in my second, in second grade, uh, my elementary school was doing like the junior version of guys and dolls, which like, what is that? Yeah. What, what does she drink in Havana? <laughs> milk. It's just a milkshake. It's chocolate. It's it a good way to get kids to drink their milk. And yeah, that's it's true. What it is. That's true. Um, and. I had the junior version. It's still the whole show. No, it's just like cut down to like 80 minutes. Not probably like 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, And um, I was very excited to do it because I had just started doing like I had been in. um, I had had my important first role as Lion in The Lion and the Mouse, very famously (laughs) in first grade. His he and delivered then, the iconic line, Roar! Roar! Who's that stepping on my tail? Roar! And which, of course, uh, that was seen and viewed, and I was offered the role of Kurt Von Trapp at my sister, my sister's high school production of The Sound of Music. Wow. So at this point, I was already a star. Booking. Booked and blessed. Okay, yes. <laughs> So I don't I, audition, sweetheart. I don't audition, I don't audition anymore. anymore. <laughs> um, so I was very excited to do it. Uh, I don't think my mom really knew the show. So I brought home this little like uh, photocopied packet of like the script and the lines I had to learn. And this is upon the realization that my mother had that this show is about gambling. Oh my God. And my... <laughs> This is oh like this is like right after my parents' divorce, in which my dad got deeply into debt from gambling and saddled my mother with that debt. Oh. So like it became uh quickly something that I was not doing was wow. was guys and dolls. Wow. So ever since then I've just never known I didn't know I mean it wasn't like I was like sad about it like i was too young to like even have feelings about whether or not i should do anything so uh yeah i've never like seen it until yesterday so this is all brand new and i thought i think it's fun i think it's a great show i love the concept that adam has been living his life believing that guys and dolls is like the most x-rated musical of all like it's the only one that's actually not appropriate for children of like you can do rent jr but like guys and dolls i i don't know guys yeah, full rent. Yeah. Body contact. Hair. <laughs> Hair. Hair. Yeah. But not guys um, and dolls. That's so insane. So but shout out to my mom. Fully believable. Thanks, Nan. But yeah, um, that sounds like a tough situation for your mom. I'm not I'm not yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh yeah. Uh it's just uh it's funny now, like having watched it and being like, oh, it's so tame. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't even think it like it doesn't even really glorify it kind of skirts between like no side is fully right, yeah. which I think is smart. So this musical uh, opened originally in 1950 on Broadway. Um, The music and lyrics are by Frank Lesser, who also did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. That's like one of his other really big musicals. But mostly at 
up before this, he was like a lyricist for movie musicals in Hollywood. Um, the book is by Joe Swirling. He did the first pass at it, and then they retooled that script, and uh, Abe Burroughs did the rest of the book. Um, it is based on Damon Runyon, who was like a short story person um, in like the 20s. And it's based on these two short stories called The Idyll of Miss Sarah Brown and Blood Pressure. Um, and his Damon Runyon's whole thing, which is the first song at like the overture basically is called Run Runyon Land. So just as like a homage to him, because he wrote about all of his themes were like spare, very like the seedy side of New York, but still like it was all these characters who specifically talked with slang, but also like heightened language, not heightened language like Shakespeare, but like they were very like polite. Um, they never used contractions like you'll notice in the movie. Like, yeah, they I never noticed that. Like, was one of the first things I actually noticed in the movies. So yeah. It's... So that was like because they're trying to overcompensate for the fact that they're ignorant by like mm -hmm. appearing as though they're like mm -hmm. really intelligent. That's mm -hmm. like the whole point. Yeah. behind it. I also have seen that like the the slang that he used was like not a real thing that anybody nobody actually spoke like this. He just like invented a, an urban mm -hmm. slang for yeah. his stories. Cool. Which is great because I feel like didn't we talk about this with another one too? No, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. I feel like I was having this conversation recently where we were oh I think it was Westside. I was, we were talking about how maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I'm cutting this whole bit. <laughs> anyway. Just release this part for the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's great. Uh, so Swir Swir Joe Swirling, sorry, the original book writer, um, he helped write. He has like a bunch. If you go to his Wikipedia page, it's like filled with like partial credit on screenplays in like late twenties, thirties, forties, Hollywood, which is truly wild. Um, notable movies he helped write include gone with the wind and it's a wonderful life. Oh, wow. Which has a, a repeat actor. Did you guys notice that? Who? No, who? The it's like Harry Horseman or something. The guy who's like big jewels, like oh, hype man, is yeah. Nick, the owner of the bar. <gasps> oh, yes. As soon as he was talking, I was like, I know that act, and I I had to IMDb him because I was like, I have seen him somewhere. I've seen him somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Nick, it's Christmas. me, Nick. <laughs> Is that, was that your thing? <laughs> that's my, that's I don't my, know. Was that your Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, that's my Jimmy Stewart. Nick, it's me. You gotta believe me, Nick. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you sound like Harry Carey? <laughs> um. So anyway, that was wild. But they didn't end up really using his book. So, uh, dang. Uh, Abe Burroughs kind of helped build this character Nathan Detroit around this actor named Sam Levine. Um, but he like specifically wasn't a singer, but he like lived in that. He was such like a character of that. Like he embodied that persona so well. Mm. So in the in the show, Nathan Detroit's only song is Sue Me, which is the duet he has with Adelaide. Um, and Lesser specifically wrote the duet so that they never overlapped because he wouldn't be able to sing a harmony line. So like that's why the song is like he has like the slower part and then she like has the like more upbeat part and they kind of it's like a conversation song. Um, 
So I thought that was interesting because bizarrely, the one of the most famous <laughs> singers of the 20th century plays Nathan Detroit in the film. And cast um, against a non-singer in the other role. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Uh, and, and Adelaide was also crafted for Vivian Blaine, which I loved because I guess they wanted her originally for Sarah, but they didn't think she would actually like, she couldn't, she was too charactery. So mm-hmm. they like built the character Adelaide for her, which is like oh. amazing because she's yeah. so good in this Oh, role. I should say, when I said opposite, I meant um, Marlon Brando as as Sky Masterson, not yes. Adelaide. She's a singer. Well, yes. Yes. The, 20, yes. the 2024 movie adaptation will be uh, s- sexy uh, Nathan Troy and sexy Sky Masterson having sexy sex. And I've, <laughs> I've decided that's canonically what we need. Ah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it opened uh, November 24th, 1950, and it ran for 1,200 performances, which was like truly unheard of before any time before like 1975 when A Chorus Line happened. Like shows just didn't run for more than like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1976, I just want to talk about the couple Broadway revivals. There was an all-black Broadway revival. Mm. Um, Ken Page, who uh, we've discussed as Oogie Boogie, mm, and also yeah. the original Old Deuteronomy. He mm. played Nicely Nicely. And they re... Uh, they re... What is it called when... You, oh, they rearranged all the songs to be more, um, like, gospel-y and um, jazzy and uh, just living in that vernacular a little bit better, um, which got like great reviews. And then in 1992, there was like a huge revival um, and Nathan Lane played uh, Nathan Detroit and Faith Prince played Adelaide. Uh, Faith Prince, who we know? No, we don't know. Miranda knows. She, Mary, Mary Ellen knows? She coached. She She was like a vocal coach for Loyola for a little bit before we left so a lot of our our singer friends uh got to work with her um and then in the original production i didn't mention it but robert alda played sky masterson robert alda you might recognize the last name alda because it's alan alda's father hi i i can't do it hold on (laughs) it's it's your your it's a little um it's a little harry mcafee what you're talking i'm alan alda I'm Alan All. I know. There I you go. There, that's better. Was that's that better. it? Yeah. That's I'm, better. Alan Al- I'm Alan. I am. I'm Alan Alda. Nuclear. Nuclear energy. Nucle- nuclear. Nuclear energy. I can't do it. <laughs> it's so hard. It's getting so. It's getting. Yeah. It's getting Harry McAfee. What is his name? Uh. Uh. Oh my God. My God. <laughs> uh. Circle gets the square. What is his name? Oh my uh, God. Crumb. Bendela Crumb Snatch All Game. All-Star Snatch Game. Was. <sighs> well. I is... can only think of Leslie Jordan. And Robert that's just. Robert. No. Bob. Uh, uh, Harry McAfee. By My Birthday was played by. <laughs> Paul Lind. Lind. Paul Lind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Ugh. A movie we've done. Yeah. Um, so at the Tonys, it uh, it won every uh, award it was nominated for. Wow. A it Hamill won- sweep. <laughs> it, won, it won all five. It won Best Musical, Best Performance by a Leading Actor for Robert Alda. It won Best Performance by a Featured Actress for 
Isabel Bigley, who played Sarah, best choreography and best direction of a musical. Cool. So good job. Good job, good job guys. Guys and their dolls. And their dolls. Um, and then I read this other thing, too, because there was this entire section that was like this. This musical has bizarrely been recorded like seven times so there are like seven different versions you can like find on cd or whatever if you're looking for cds um but one of them which i thought was absolutely crazy in 1965 there was like this bizarre hollywood like mail order thing where you got four cds and they were four er, recordings of the songs from Finian's Rainbow, Kiss Me Kate, South Pacific, and finally uh, Guys and Dolls, which were like four of the most popular musicals up, up, up until that time. And some of the singers on these four albums are Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Debbie Reynolds, Dean Martin, Dinah Shore, Sammy Davis Jr. Like, it's just like, have you ever wanted to listen to some of the greatest singers of the 20th century? Enjoy, which is, I think, really wild. Um, I feel like you're presenting this as like, why is it wild? Of course you want to make a CD with really good singers on it. <laughs> I know, but how often does it happen? Oh, this is yes. the, the next time this happens after this is when the Hamilton like mixtape CD comes out in 2018. So uh, it doesn't happen often. Let's say that. Um, but let's talk about the movie. So the movie is directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, not the Citizen Kane Mankiewicz. His brother. His brother, the All About Eve Mankiewicz. Uh, you know, also- casual, just <laughs> just a family of classic movies. It's truly crazy. <laughs> um, th- he also wrote the screenplay uh, with Ben Hecht, who is uncredited. Um, it was produced by Samuel Goldwyn. It stars Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons as Sarah, Frank Sinatra as Nathan Detroit, Marlon, I'm sorry, Sky Masterson, and Vivian Blaine reprising her role as Adelaide. Uh, the cinematography is by Harry Stradling. It's edited by Daniel Mandel. Um, the production company was Samuel Goldwyn Productions, but it was distributed by MGM. Uh, the release date was November 3rd, 1955, so only like five years after the Broadway debut. And its running time is a long 150 minutes. And uh, the budget is $5.5 5 and its box office is 20 So it definitely uh, made it a back. Hit. It was the highest. Uh, it was the highest grossing movie of 1956. Wow. So. Good on you, yeah. mate. Um... Let's talk about some fun casting things, which I always I always enjoy, especially at this time. So originally Sky was supposed to be Gene Kelly. So imagine this movie without Marlon Brando, but with Gene Kelly. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, but MGM wasn't the production company. Or yeah, they weren't the production company and they didn't want to loan him out. So... Goldwyn was like, well, I'll do Marlon Brando because Marlon Brando was like at this point the most bankable star in Hollywood by like a wide margin. Um, Gene Kelly later wrote, or like said that he was born to play Sky Masterson like Clark Gable was born to play Rhett Butler and he like held it against MGM for the rest of his time at the studio. Um, and then also Frank Sinatra really wanted to play Sky Masterson because Sky famously gets to sing. Yeah. <laughs> and Nathan famously doesn't. 
Uh, Would have been a good choice on that on that front, but so we'll talk about a little bit of their <laughs> their tension later. But Ooh. Adelaide was supposed to be Betty Grable, but she was unavailable. Um, Marilyn Monroe also wanted the role, but uh, he had worked with her on. She has like a small part in All About Eve, and he didn't enjoy his time working with her, so he ignored her phone calls asking to be in the role. Jeez. Um, so and he and. He wa- he really wanted uh, Vivian Blaine to reprise her role because he thought she was so good. Sarah um, was originally going to be Grace Kelly, wow. and then they were going to cast. Then she wasn't available, so then they were going to cast Deborah Kerr, and then she wasn't available, and so then they were like, "Well, we'll go with Gene Simmons. She's fine." And then later, like he was like, she was honestly the perfect Sarah. She's so good in the role. You believe every moment, like, and I do. Th- I think she gives a great performance yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. And then, um, nicely, nicely, Big Julie and Benny South Street were all the same. Uh, like Vivian Blaine, they all originated their roles on Broadway and got to do it in the movie as well. Um, but originally, Paramount, before Samuel Goldwyn outbid them for the uh, rights to the show, uh, it was going to be a Paramount movie. And um, it was going to be Clark Gable, Bob Hope, Jane Russell, and Betty Grable, which is... Um, a very different cast than the one we got in this film. Um, so, so, so Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra hated each other. And this is the best part of looking into trivia about this movie. Amazing. They hated each other in like a real way. Um, obviously, Frank was just jealous that Marlon was in this role because there was also another role. And I, I think it was on the waterfront. Marlon got the role that Frank had wanted in On the Waterfront and then won the Academy Award for it. Mm. And then later down the line, Frank Sinatra wanted to be Don Corleone and Marlon Brando (gasps) got that and also won an Oscar for that. So it's just really wild, their relationship. I think Frank Sinatra is kidding himself if he thinks that (laughs) what prevented him from getting an Oscar is which of those roles he was cast in. Yeah. (laughs) Also, Frank, like, you're already successful in your own right. My God. Yeah, but when you have it. Frank Sinatra, famed failed star. (laughs) (laughs) What has he done? (laughs) Well, weirdly, okay. We... So there was this period of time was like a little bit of like Frank was on the decline. Mm. So that's why he is like the second lead, the the second male lead in this movie and not the first male lead. Um, Because like he wasn't as bankable as he used to be like back in the late 40s, early 50s. But then he like does pretty well in this movie. This movie does well. And then he gets cast in a movie, which I believe we're going to watch later this year. He gets cast in Carousel and then walks off the set on day one. And so they recast him with Gordon McRae, which is crazy. We'll have to talk about that later. Okay. So, um, uh, Frank Sinatra is quoted as saying, when Mumbles is through rehearsing, I'll come out because Marlon Brando famously mumbled when he talked. <laughs> uh, Frank or Marlon knew that Frank hated eating cheesecake. So on their cheesecake scene where he has to eat like while they're while they're having that like conversation at that diner together, he kept flubbing his lines on purpose. So Frank would have to keep eating the cheesecake so- <laughs> until Honestly? Frank, Frank like literally was like, I can't eat any more cheesecake. So they had to wrap shooting for the day. The next day they came in and the first take was perfect. 
Honestly, give me feud. <laughs> this is Frank. what I'm saying. I want feud season two. Yeah. Frank, Frank and Marlon. It's, it's so going to be Patrick good. Wilson as Marlon Brando. And I don't know who they get Frank Sinatra. Maddie yeah. Morphosis as Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and then like four years after this movie comes out, uh, Frank's in a Newsweek article. And he's like, yeah, Marlon shouldn't have been Sky. It should have been me. I was obviously much better for the role. Uh, that's just, the scotch talking so there. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's just people could just really say whatever back in the day. Yeah. Before cancel culture. Oh, no. <laughs> I come as out as Adam a conservative. As a, Adam as a, as a victim of cancel culture, as we've declared in the show. Um, <laughs> it's true. I've been canceled. Um, but I do want to talk about the songs a little bit before we finally get it to awards and then into the movie. So um, Marlon Brando, not a singer. Uh, I think that's okay to say. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Um, I think he sounds good. Yeah. But the reason he sounds good, I learned, is because all of his songs were stitched together from multiple recording sessions. Oh. <laughs> because he, quote, in his autobiography, he wrote that he has the singing voice, quote, the, it sounds like the mating call of a yak. <laughs> so Can I ask... I, had we just like moved beyond having dubs? Like, why didn't they just hire a singer to do his part? So I saw that too. So neither him nor, um, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, Gene Simmons, who are both not singers. I think she fares a bit better in this oh, yeah. than yeah, he does. Yeah, I didn't really um, but notice. They weren't, I, neither of them were singers, but uh, the director, Mank, Mankiewicz, was like, I just really want to see, I just really want them to like do it themselves because reasons i don't there wasn't like a good reason explained but it, yeah. it was noted that like the director just didn't want it dubbed hmm. but i guess they that had like talked so about wild. it and he decided I mean, not to do it i agree that i i felt like in the first song there were some high notes where i was like with brando but like other than that i it really didn't bother me for the most yeah, part so it's totally. it's kind of wild to me though that they didn't just Dub, like it just seems like so much easier than stitching together yeah. a bunch of recordings and yeah. making him go through all that but okay yeah so then i there's this other great story about um <clears throat> a song that was written for frank because obviously if you're gonna have frank sinatra in the movie you're not gonna give him one song to sing yeah. and it's a duet you're gonna like give him a bunch of stuff to do so um frank lesser wrote the song adelaide which is uh comes yeah after yeah once they announced that they're gonna go get eloped um he wrote it for frank and then frank sinatra refused to perform his one ballad adelaide in character as the comic like character actory person that he was portraying so instead he was like oh i'm just gonna croon it because that's what i do and frank lester was like no uh Oh, I'm sorry. And then Frank Lesser was less than pleased with the star's turn in the comic Sumi number. And, <laughs> and supposedly Frank Sinatra said, we'll do it my way or you can fuck off. <laughs> people about- just are wild in the <laughs> 50s. It's so delightful to imagine people in the 50s swearing because it's like not captured on film anywhere. So it's yeah. just yeah. like so funny. You're like, Frank Sinatra didn't know the F word. They didn't invent it yet. <laughs> yeah, he hadn't been invented. Um, and then when Brando pointed out that Mank uh, should like tell Sinatra how to sing his songs, like actually direct, 
uh, Mankiewicz refused, and Brando swore never to work with him again, and he never did. So, wow. just Wait, truly so, some. So that the Adelaide ballad is not in the movie, or did I just forget about it? It is in the movie, but he crooned it. Like it's still that croony number in the bar. Gotcha. I didn't pay attention for that. I <laughs> thought that you were going to be like, and then in the end, they cut the song entirely because they couldn't agree. Um, so it didn't leave a big impression. Sorry, Frank. No, I think the song's like fine, but it is crazy that like he wrote him a song and then was like, but I'm going to do, I don't know. Just everything He's is going to do it my, my way. way. <laughs> Uh, okay, so at the Academy Awards, this was nominated for Best Art Direction for a Color Film, uh, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Scoring of a Musical Picture, although it didn't win any of them. And at the Golden Globes, it did win Best Musical Pic- best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for Gene Simmons. Wow. Um, let's talk about this movie. <laughs> I did not uh, take notes, as you can all see in this Google Doc that we have before me, so uh, I'm not going to lead the discussion today. Um, Since Molly is the one who suggested this film, I vote Molly has to lead the discussion. (laughs) All right. Um, I love the opening of this musical, and we were watching it, and just recently we released the, I think it was in the West Side Story uh, episode where I said, that this was one that I'd like to see redone. And within 10 mm-hmm. minutes, I was like, actually don't, because this is perfect. Like, <laughs> I don't want anything changed about it. I love everything about it. I think that people walking in time with music is the only correct yes. way to start a musical. So the whole, like, dance sequence to begin is amazing. I love the colors of it. I love the energy. I'm just, like, I'm all in immediately the colors in this movie are just incredible like the use of just like every single shade of color in the color wheel (laughs) is amazing that like fake Times square backdrop that they have that's like so not real in any way it's so great it's so clearly like a set oh it's so good the best is when they like midway through the movie and they come back from Havana and they're like around the corner from the mission. And then it's just like, just, just like an actual, it's a flat with like cutouts of buildings yeah. that, that are like the street up, like across the corner from mm-hmm. the mission. And it's like so theatrical. It's mm-hmm. so great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were like times where Adam and I looked and we're like, is the illusion supposed to be that the road continues? But we're like, I don't, I don't know. And they at one point looked illuminated from behind. So it's like, is it a giant light box? It was just so crazy. Yeah. It was, I just love that they were like, the characters are real, but this whole thing is like a fairy tale, which yeah. I guess is like kind of, it's like a fit. I mean, the whole thing is like so fantastical. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it's like all in the same kind of block. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see Stephen Shabosky direct. Uh, <laughs> don't you dare touch this, Shabosky. <laughs> I don't think he would. He famously hates music. Yeah. That's uh, so I, it's, I, the yeah. beginning of all everybody walking in time and all these little like different scams different that everybody scams. has going uh, on is so good. So it good. sets the scene. It places you in the world. Um, it gives everybody like a little comic moment to do. Um, 
and I just think like one thing that this time, like this period, uh, uh, specifically in like the golden age, like especially with musical comedies, as opposed to like the dramatic, more dramatic, like Rogers and Hammerstein style musicals is like, they just aren't scared to like go for physical comedy. And like, I think modern musicals rely a lot on like diet, like snappy dialogue, witty banter, like stuff like that, which is great. And I have no, all, all of that is great, but I do think like we don't do this kind of thing anymore. And it's so fun to watch because that's the only way you can like actually experience it. So yeah, it's so good. And I love the way that like the fantasy setting, I feel like this, while it has like atrocious gender politics as most musicals do, <laughs> it's like, I feel like even in 1955, they're like winking at me with the gender politics. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. though like yeah. this is not a time period known for like treating women well, right. I'm still like, I just like can't actually be offended by any of it because it's mm-hmm. like so, it's so disconnected from reality. And it's so yeah. just like, here's a made up version of a world and right. then like, let's just have some fun in it is so the tone. Well, yeah. in every, like if I met a, a person in real life who call, who literally only referred to women as dolls, dolls like, are broads. I would <laughs> ew, horrify, like disgusting, put it, put him in the, send him to the gulag. But in this, <laughs> it seems like almost it's the, the, the care or like you as the audience, like recognize that it's like, they're all buffoons like they're all these like stupid men like to some degree so there is a bit of like yeah wink wink like aren't they also dumb for calling women which is obviously not what it is about yeah i think i have to get into the outside research here because it's like very on this topic mm-hmm. so returning friend of the pod raymond knapp who wrote <laughs> the uh musical and formation of national identity so mm. he talked about this in terms of um, so he like he wrote this whole book about how musicals express an American national identity. And one of his like big themes is the marriage trope. And the idea of the marriage trope is that you are bringing two incompatible ideas together through a couple that gets together. So his argument is that in this one, it's like hedonism and then like like strict Christianity. Biasness, and like that's yeah. Yeah, that's them coming together. But what I really liked is that he said this is basically an urban cowboy story. That like really that like more so than a fairy tale, they're cowboys, but they're just in Western. Adam's face is so Adam's face. I love this. I love this. <laughs> so he talks about how in cowboy stories we have quote the lawless mostly male society is civilized through religion and marriage and other feminine contributions mm. end quote. So it's like about these cowboys being like tamed by their dolls, right? Um, and so. I just think that that's like such a cool concept is that what we're doing is like a fantasy urban cowboy story. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that idea. I also thought this musical um, reminded me a lot of the music man Um, as a person who like grew up with the music man in a very real way for a very long time. I was like, Oh, it's almost the same. Like the structure of the plot of like, guy tries to con girl fall in love fall in love yeah. that's the plot yeah <laughs> and you know like the conflict of the girl being like is he truly changing or is this all still also there is something nice about this musical where i was like there's no stakes and i'm okay mm-hmm. like i was like yeah. they're they're Extremely it's no, nobody's stakes. gonna die like you just yeah. need to get a thousand dollars or 
a game won't happen. <laughs> like, okay. Like I was enjoying the fact that it was just like a slice, a slice of life of this. Yeah. Real so world. Not real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved, and then, so we move from the opening into like a setup scene where we get our exposition and we meet Nathan and his like two henchmen. And, the way that we like get kind of the establishing exposition is this cop who's asking the henchmen about this floating craps mm-hmm. game and they play it so straight that they yeah. don't know what he's talking about. And it is so funny. He's literally, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, his floating cl- craps game. And they're like, does it, it's like on water or like, yeah, I don't know. It's on a boat? Like, so there's like no wink to it at all. There's yeah. no indication of like, yeah. they know what they're talking about. It's so funny. I love this it. This is the like, this is like when, when, when you're trying to like teach how to like do comedy as like a, 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 dire- a high school theater director yeah. and your kids are all leaning into the joke. You, you would need to show them this scene and be like, do you see how they're just acting like this is an actual conversation? Right. That's, that's why funny. it's funny. <laughs> yeah. I um I I really like the exposition part of it too of 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 uh Nathan and his gang is that they go into so many different establishments in their like interior scenes. So there are Mindy's eating cheesecake. They're walking in front of a, a store. Like they are always like going in somewhere. The like barber shop where mm-hmm. they do reliable Nathan. Like there's always a, a place which you could tell that they were like we built all of these interiors. Please keep going in and out of them for the entire movie. Yeah, they do a really good job of making it like a rich visual landscape, yeah. even though they keep it to like this one block, basically. Yeah. But there's yeah. like, yeah, they go to a lot of places. And oh, my God, the like calligraphy in the windows of all the businesses that say like, oh, yes. shop is like, yes. I just want that back so bad. I, I don't even know if it was like on the 50s, but I'm like, that's my fantasy is like every yeah. block is that. It's the like grocery store signs like outside with like coconut, like 50 cents. Excuse like- me, sorry, <laughs> coconut spelled C-O-C-O-A-N-U-T, yeah. which I absolutely <laughs> screamed at. It was great. I really um, hope that our listeners are, that our vocal work is conveying to our listeners the like visuals is <laughs> oh. <laughs> like coconut do you yes. understand what i'm getting at it's can you hear the cursive we're speaking in cursive <laughs> um i also liked there is something about the like 50s of it all which i think again this is movie is supposed to be i think in the 20s would be my guess or 30s or- maybe yeah, yeah, or 30s. So it's funny that, like, it still feels so night. This movie couldn't take place in any other, de- like, couldn't have been made in any other decade but 1950 to 1960. Um, and I think it goes back to, like, that whole thing of, like, this is the Americana that, like, everybody is always like, ah, this is, this is the time. And I really just think it was, like, the designs, I think, at the time were, like, good. Like, yeah. the aesthetic visual of aesthetic. the... Visual aesthetics was on point. And we don't need to go back to anything Any, else about anything that time. Else about but the just the visual aesthetics. I but mean, just, I will say... Yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah Brown's hair is everybody's grandma's hair. Like, yeah. that short bob with, like, yep. big curls. I was like, yeah. all grandmas yeah. wear this haircut. All, all grandmas, grandmas hair. saw that hair in the 50s, said yes to that the that is rest it. of my life. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. And is it because is it because it's easy to deal with because you can just like wrap it at night and then like you don't sh- you just wear it like because my grandma like 
would get perms like once, I think once a month or once every two months or something like that. And then like she would just like put a shower cap on when she would take a shower and like would basically just never, she would never get her hair wet. Yeah, I think it's partially also actually when you get older that like your hair thins, so you want to keep a short haircut because it's going to like look Mm. really obvious that your hair is thinner. Mm. So it's probably partially that, but I like, like I can't remember my grandma ever not having that hair. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it was like before she even got older. I'm thinking of my my mom's mom, by the way. Read, I'm talking about granny. I just feel (laughs) like her hair was constantly, that was was it. So. There was something that like really stuck. And I feel like there was like a mentality of like, I don't look put together unless I have this hairstyle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Looks great in hats. So you know what? Um, there are a lot of like costume decisions too in this. First of all, every suit I was like, Whoa, excuse me, why wait, why is Nathan Detroit wearing Jack Skellington's <laughs> pinstripe? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is stupid. And also the dumb gag of him standing on the scale and he takes the jacket off and he loses five pounds. I was like, this is such an in-joke about <laughs> Frank Sinatra as a person because this man is like five, six and a quarter, like couldn't be bigger if he tried. It's very funny. I'm now having an elaborate thought through of like, Nightmare Before Christmas does guys and dolls of like someone producing an elaborate stop motion with all of the all of the Nightmare Before Christmas characters inhabiting yeah. the guys and dolls. The it's Halloween, the Halloween Town, uh, proudly pre- Halloween Town players proudly present, proudly present guys, guys, and, guys dolls. and dolls. In like June, when they've got plenty of time before Halloween, they do yes. a community theater it's production. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Building community, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I I really like uh, this whole uh, the guy who plays nicely nicely. I don't have his name down here, unfortunately, um, but I think he's so funny, and I was so tickled anytime he came on the screen because I just think he's like such he gives such great line readings and like is so he again is like playing it so straight, mm-hmm. but it's so ridiculous. And I think he is the most dialogue that is like speaking in that like weird vernacular where he's like not doing uh like has no contractions and like the bit of like him saying nicely nicely in response to like how are you doing which nicely, is nicely nicely thanks uh it's so good he's yeah. so funny is this a good spot to start talking about nathan detroit yeah okay what i do no. love <laughs> let's not what i do love about nate and i i made this comment watching the movie is there is something so charming and endearing watching frank sinatra play such kind of like a down on his luck schmucky uh guy who's like the the stakes right before the movie is that he ran the craps game like he's there's so much like uh you know all the guys kind of respect him um and like he, he comes from a very high pedestal but from the start of the movie he is fully like I can't find a craps game. I'm broke. Like there's nothing. My, uh, Adelaide wants me to marry her and I like just don't want to. Like it, there is something like really charming about kind of seeing him in like it's post hubris, like try to scrap himself up as like, you know, it's his former glory or something. I think you've actually raised an interesting question, RJ. Does Nathan want to marry Adelaide? Because I feel like we get very mixed messages. It about is that. very mixed. He yeah. is very mixed this entire movie. Because there are scenes where he like says like, he love like him. loves her. Yeah, I love yeah. her. Yeah. And I I think that part is true. I don't really question whether or not he loves her, other than like 
Frank Sinatra's acting ability. Yeah. But <laughs> but like for per his dialogue, I do think he loves Adelaide, but I think he's like it's like the classic it's, like it's hubris, man right? is scared of getting married. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I almost felt like because tired trope. Because of the like doing it for some doll kind of like this is like every you know big man their big downfall is that they have to at the end of the day you know succumb to like what a doll wants him to do and i think that i think it's playing more into that like pride thing but i think it's yeah his his acting is a little i you don't know you don't really get like a full picture of like what Nathan Mott. There is something too about this movie or this musical in general because it's like about two couples that feels very Shakespearean to me. Like the way yeah, that it ends yeah, in a yeah. wedding. Like I just felt like I was like she's giving twelve nights. This is just a good old <laughs> romp. Like we're all just having fun. Yeah. This is so light. Yeah. It's all fluff. It's funny because I feel like double weddings are like kind of something people think of as a stereotypical yeah, a musical thing but yeah. they're like not really it's like not no. that common it is more common in shakespeare or like i think seven brides for seven brothers i think they pay that off with an actual <laughs> seven person wedding at the end from my re- recollection but like yeah it is an unusual thing and and it's not uncommon to have two couples but the way that it's like that's truly the whole plot is like will these two yes. couples get together yeah, 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 yeah. Right. it's very shakespeare comedy but also it's like this this era had like a lot of those like second the the B couple if you will the Adelaide and the Nathan who Adelaide is like in Oklahoma it's Ado Annie it's um who else did I say it was uh there was another there was another girl oh uh Bianca and Kiss Me Kate like it's the same trope of like the dumb ditzy girl who's like in love with a guy she probably shouldn't be in love with um the part that all three of us want to play in every musical we watch yes if i could (laughs) the rest of my life be in like a rep theater production (laughs) truly sign me up pay me five dollars a week i'm happy to do it um yeah absolutely i want to say i think i mean not to like get too deep on guys and dolls but i think that (laughs) i think that nathan loves adelaide but fears like the institution of marriage and he fears that it's gonna like make his life boring and he's gonna have to give up the craps game and Mm -hmm. stuff i think Mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to understand because he really does like defend her in quite a sweet way i feel like to sky who is like his his thesis statement i wrote down is dolls are fungible tokens because (laughs) (laughs) they're inherently (laughs) replaceable with one another um Uh, so like there is something also very sweet about how like nathan is i mean all of them right like this is another thing that nat pointed out is like they they like are very cynical and they're like gangsters but they're like very good-hearted at the end of the day and so like sky has this philosophy of like women should be decoration essentially and like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't they shouldn't impact your life at all and nathan while he's this like slippery guy i feel like his like redeeming feature is that he genuinely loves adelaide and like will defend her even to a guy who he like looks up to and is thinks he's cool and like wants his approval he'll still be like no you're wrong like you like loving people is important which is like a very i don't know very like sentimental and sweet thing to give to this Mm -hmm. gangster character yeah played by frank sinatra (laughs) again a sensitive man 
<laughs> I mean, like, I feel like I made fun of earlier that they it is kind of wild casting that they did it this way in terms of the singing roles. But I think, RJ, I think you're right that there's like, because he's a little bit older, there's like yeah. a nice sense of like, not like washed up, but like maybe just just a step past his prime yeah. to Nathan. Mm-hmm. And Sky Masters, I mean, Marlon Brando, while well, he can't sing, freaking oh my a swinger at the He does his, not need to sing. Him. You can just yeah. look at him. <laughs> right. My God. There is, it's, it explains why Sarah would be so drawn yeah. in by him because yeah. he was played by Marlon Brando in a way that Gene Kelly could could never to be honest I mean like I yeah. Gene Kelly in some yeah. ways I see him as Sky Masterson but like Brando in this role makes it interesting on a level that it shouldn't be allowed to be interesting there is yeah. that like it's he's just like presence. very yeah he's so enigmatic on screen yeah. that it's just like by just standing there. It's so crazy. <laughs> By standing, literally standing. His like There was like a presence. shot of him when he was like in the doorway of the mission and he put his hat on and I like got a shiver up my spine <laughs> and I was like I, I, my basement is flooded for this man. What oh is going on? Adam was the audience back in the 50s. Yeah, I was. Yeah. That was me getting absolutely hot in a movie theater taking out your handkerchief yeah. adam contributed two million of that 20 million box office yeah when thank you very continuously much continuously went to see it in the theater in 1955 uh, yeah <laughs> there is yeah i mean and i think like the age thing too with nathan is that having her him coupled with adelaide it kind of adds more to that conflict of adelaide where it's like i don't want to do this anymore too like i want us to like be in a family and have like boring like she's the one that wants the boring jobs and she's the one that's like we've been engaged for 14 years yeah she's she's uh what's her name in little shop horrors she's uh she's audrey Audrey. she's audrey Yeah. yeah I'm pretty you sure. have to have an A name if you're going to be yeah. the character uh, actress. Character Kato, Annie, Audrey, <laughs> yeah. Adelaide. Adelaide. Absolutely. Um, I do, uh, if we're going to move on to Adelaide. Um, yeah, let's do it. One couple to the next, yeah. So let's finish up the couple. I would like to play probably the best female comic song of all time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adelaide's Lament. Yeah. Get off at Yonkers racetrack for the 14th time. A patient can develop la grip, la grip, la post nasal drip with the wheezes and the sneezes and the sinus that's really a pip. <laughs> From a lack of community property and a feeling she's getting too old, a patient can develop a bad. La grip, la, la po- grip, la post nasal drip, la post nasal <laughs> drip. Come on! <laughs> I genuinely think I told you it was my neighbor who played Adelaide that I was like so impressed with. I think this song might be why I love musical theater. I think yeah. me seeing my neighbor perform this song and realizing that you could do something this funny but be that impressive of a vocalist at the same yeah. time, yeah. I think yeah. that was where I was like, 
this genre's got it, man. <laughs> yeah. I am niched, honey. I was <laughs> niched up. I found it. Yeah. This, it's also, I think this show is really interesting in general. There was like a, a thing I saw that was like, Frank Lesser was like, well, I can write some more reprises for Act Two. And the the director of the original production was like, if you write more reprises, you, we're going to reprise the same jokes. So, like, that's why mm. there's no, like, every song is, like, fully new. Like, you don't really hear any repeat songs in this whole show. Except for the finale, which is my one small complaint about it. But yes. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy, like, comparing it to modern musical theater, where it, it is a lot of reprises and, like, yeah. continuing yeah. a theme. Like, yes, La La Land. Like, you hear the same motif over mm-hmm. and over again. And right. It, transforms throughout the the movie because i think there's more pressure to be like thematic in the other sense of like your music has to mean something nowadays and like right. that yeah. still doesn't mean anything like there's no, there's no <laughs> big idea we need to return to and like no. give evan hansen his lesson or whatever no. <laughs> we're just we're just having fun here baby. Fun. right because even like the gangsters there's never like Big Julie is the only one that seems like he might be like an actual bad guy. Yeah. Because there's like the reference to that he lives in East Cicero, um, which is like where a lot of like organized crime was headquartered in like the 30s and 40s. So like that's like a very specific. Shout out to Chi-Town, Al Capone, (laughs) BB, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Just Um, down the street from our apartment. Just down the street from our apartment. (laughs) Um, But I, but like even he like gets so many like funny, like that bit of him rolling non-numbered dice. (laughs) I was like, this is so stupid. And everyone's just (laughs) Yes, that they're just like, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he's like presented as this threat. He like brings a gun and stuff, mm-hmm. but he like goes to the prayer meeting. Yes, yes, that's that's the- right? Like he is, he is very much tameable, even yes. though yes. he is, he is frightening. Yeah, um, like, since, yeah. yeah, I have to give one more shout out to Raymond Knapp that I thought this was really interesting as well, that he s- talked about the fact that in the 50s, post Holocaust and post nuclear bomb, the gangsters of the 20s and 30s seemed very quaint in retrospect. So he was saying how like this is really the beginning of like us like recasting gangsters as like aren't they sweet is like because in the 50s it was like oh god I wish that were my biggest problem now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah and the thing with like if you if you wanted to argue theme and like you could bring up like the morality obviously but like yeah that's the thing with with the gangsters is that at the end of the day they still had to honor their markers like that was like something so it was like a code yeah. for them. it was binding was, like they were yeah. so intense about it there's yeah. like a whole honor amongst thieves things and i think really if we can start getting into sky and sarah the mm-hmm. story is a pride and prejudice story not really about changing to come together it's that both of them make assumptions about each other because Mm -hmm. of the the way that they like present themselves to the world but you find out that like sarah is less uptight than you would assume and that sky is like more religious than you would assume right so it's like turns out that they're not that different from each other it's just that they thought differently of each other yeah yeah well who's mr darcy (laughs) you said pride and prejudice so i don't know (laughs) sky Sky, Sky Masterson. Yeah, it was funny because it was like, what do you mean it's Sky? Obviously. <laughs> the man. The man. The man is Mr. Darcy. The man is Mr. Darcy. Um wait, I do I just wanna say also 
I was very sad that they got rid of Bushel and a Peck. Same. Because I don't think the replacement I, song is as good. Although I do think it's like a fun visual. Yes. The cat thing is funny. Oh, okay. That's the replace the cat one. Gotcha. Yeah. I did miss Bushel and the Peck because I, I love that I did miss Bushel and the Peck because I think it's a good song. Yeah. yeah um, I wrote down that the cat number was great visuals, great innuendo, and atrocious music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and I also want to say that I think there was the... There was the scene that Sky and Adelaide have together where he like comes to her dressing room to tell her like Nathan's a crap guy and he's always going to be a crap guy mm-hmm. so you just need to accept that. And I kind of thought her delivery of like the way she was like the way she was like uh like you you won't know until you fall in love with someone you shouldn't love that I was like Oh, this is like really like I I was very touched mm-hmm. by it. I thought it was so sweet because yeah. I thought she is so she's very like Rose Nyland as a character where she's like so naive that like when you see them own up almost to their naivete, it's almost like it's just it's so it's so saccharine sweet that I, I, I got like a little um, jolt out of it. I was like, oh, she's so cute. Yeah, I mean, there is something very sweet about a character who's in a very cynical environment and remains extremely naive mm-hmm. yes. and like keeps believing in the that she's going to get married after 14 years of being strung yeah. along. But then she's also rewarded for it, which is like so yeah. great that like they mm-hmm. do get married in the end. Yeah, yeah, I do have to say before we move on from them that it is so wild, the concept that this woman's mother lives in Rhode Island <laughs> and she's been writing her letters for 14 years mm-hmm. saying they got married and ha- now have five, five children. children. And her mother has not once managed to visit them and try to meet her five grandchildren. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. I will tell you as a <laughs> as a person who has a parent who is now a grandmother, my mom was like texting my brother being like, how many weeks do I have to wait till I get to meet my grandchild? <laughs> like would not fly in the real world. But yeah. that's what makes it funny. Um, that whole bit is it's very good and it's played very well when she reveals that she and, <laughs> she is and Frank is doing a real, out of the air. Frank does a really good job of reacting to it too because there is something of like he accepts all of the decisions that she makes because it's like well at the end of the day because I won't have don't have the guts to marry you it's like okay well yeah we can we can keep stringing it along there's I was very charmed by both of them like in that uh, after after the performance, like in the dressing room. Yeah, yeah, the way that they gradually reveal it, where she's like, I did tell you we got married. Um, after a while, I did also have to say we have a baby. <laughs> and just like building and building until he goes, how many kids do we have? Yeah. <laughs> Five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about, um, should we talk about Sky or should we talk about, what else should we talk about? I think Sky and Sarah as a couple together. Um, I want to talk about Sarah because I think yeah. uh, I think Gene Simmons is really good in this role. I was really surprised at how much I really liked her in the movie. Like she, sh- honestly, at Havana, like was like, oh, she's almost like the star. Like I, she kind of just like took me away and was like, she's doing so well in this that I'm like, oh. I'm really like rooting for her. I was rooting for you. It is. <laughs> it rooting is crazy. It was crazy that like she, it's a role that's written like 
I think it would be very hard to do because you have to get in the audience on your side. And then, but believable. she's also written as like, uh, like a like a perm- like a nag, yeah. like um, like she's just like so awful when you first like encounter her that like I do think it's the Havana sequence that like really she's like allowed to like shine mm-hmm. because the bit of her like drinking <laughs> drinking the like milk with Bacardi rum chata basically rum-chata. it's rum chata <laughs> um, and then like getting drunk and then having like a 30 person brawl in this bar <laughs> like this is so it's so good and then like I think the the like very sweet moment she has right before the reveal of the craps game in the mission but like that little moment on the street is also very like sweet and charming where I was like oh she's like really nailing like this performance and I did like Speaking of one other thing about her, they came up with this bit that she like her her like nervous tick is she like undoes a button. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's such a great like visual clue to let you know that she's like like too almost too but like that's the she's literally too buttoned up. Like right. she's she's trying to like uh just like relax a little bit on the inside and like isn't letting herself so i was like oh this is like such a great uh little moment in. to Wait, yeah in. a little in for the audience i thought it was i thought it was a neat little trick actually i was really intrigued by the way that both of the female characters were like psychologized in this movie because mm-hmm. um Adelaide obviously has the psychosomatic cold. That's like her mm-hmm. big Amazing. thing. And then Sarah's got the button thing. And she also in like the first scene with Sky, she says something about like, oh, you think I'm like repressed and therefore I'm like fascinated by sin and like attracted to it or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is interesting. I mean, it's interesting in that like clearly this was very hot in the 50s. Like yeah. it was starting to become mainstream to like understand Freud and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but also that like, Going back to like, this is a cowboy story. I feel like what I feel like part of what it was saying was like, men are so dysfunctional that like women take off, like they become like sick by nature of trying to love men, but like it has to drive you crazy Mm. essentially. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was sort of, it was sort of interesting that they both had these like diagnosable quirks, sort of. Yeah. Well, and then the like, the counter is like, sky's hubris of being like women aren't like dolls are just dolls like you just they're they're all the same blah 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 but like falling uh, you obviously know the minute he says it like he's going to fall in love in this movie yeah if it if it didn't clue you in the fact that there are two couples on the front of the poster (laughs) uh but i was like oh it's like the it's a it's the it's the opposite of that where it's like the man is like uh women aren't it's like the classic like joke where it's like women get over breakups pretty easily and then men will like cry about it for like months because they have lost the only thing that actually gave their life meaning. <laughs> I'm not aware of that joke. I don't know what classic you're talking about. Just, maybe it's just a men joke. It's a, Sorry. It's a private men's joke private that I'm not going to be <laughs> Sorry. When y'all hanging stall. out with the bros, you talk yeah. about yeah. how you always cry over your breakup. Yeah. Gentlemen, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Yeah, so. golf, golfing. Golf. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely. This movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, just yeah. to kind of put a, a cap on Sarah, yeah, I think like 
Simmons does a really great job of drawing the audience in and making the shifts believable. Because I think with such a kind of almost stocky beginning to her character, um, to like have her make the the shift of like letting herself loose and, and falling in love with Sky was really believable. And the, if I were a bell number. I know she got to belt. It's very surprising that you said that she wasn't like a, a trained singer because I think well, yeah, I, she I sounded was, great I if I were a bell. I was reading that because yeah. I was like, oh, she sounded really, like, yeah, she sounds really good. I think Sky Marlin, I think it's very clear that he, it's a bit of a struggle or you can, there's more points that you notice the like effort. Uh, Whereas I didn't really, yeah, I didn't notice it with her, but I, I just thought she was so charming. I was so charmed by her. Are we going to play the bell song? Yes, Ooh. we have to. And if I were a watch, I'd start popping my spring. Or if I were a bell, I'd go ding dong, ding dong, ding. Ask me how do I feel from this? Chemistry lesson I'm learning. Chemistry? Yeah, chemistry. All I can say is if I were a bridge, I'd be burning. Yes, I knew my morale would crack from the wonderful way that you looked. Boy, if I were a duck, I'd quack. Or if I were a goose, I'd be cooked. Ask me how fondly caressing how if i were a salad i know i'd be splashing my dressing ask me how to describe this whole beautiful thing well if i were a bell i'd go ding dong ding dong Ask me how do I feel? Ding dong, ding dong, ding. Great. Uh, is there anything else to say about Marlon Brando as Guy Masterson other than just like he is a, Allow me. He's a sexy man? Just oh my god, <sighs> he's so attractive. I all there was a moment where I was like I can only I could only think of those stories of like that he slept with a lot of guys in Hollywood like as well like uh he I don't remember who they all were but there were like there's like classic famous stories that like Marlon Brando was like a sex pot and supposedly bisexual and had had many a partner and a lot of them like famous men and I was like Ah, to to have been a star in the maybe 60s. far away <laughs> or maybe really nearby. Oh. Uh, well, we love a bisexual icon. It allows everyone to enjoy enjoy whatever's on screen. Um, yeah. And clearly, Adam, the only barrier is merely the time period you were born in. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. That's yeah. the only one. Yeah. If he would have seen you at the local grocery store, he would have been like... That's what I'm saying. That one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hello. 
Um, um, the twink! <laughs> He'll shout. I do think if we're talking about Sky Masterson, we should probably play Luck Be a Lady, and then I should probably follow it up with like what Frank Sinatra then just like claimed as his song mm-hmm. for like the next like 40 years, which is his version of Luck Be a Yeah, <laughs> Luck Be a Lady. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Lucky if you've ever been a lady to begin with. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck let a gentleman see how nice a dame you can be. I know the way you've treated other guys you've been with. Luck be a lady with me. A lady doesn't leave her escort. It isn't fair, it isn't nice. A lady doesn't wander all over the room and blow on some other guy's dice. So let's keep the party polite. Never get out of my sight. Stick with me, baby, I'm the fella you came in with. Luck be a lady. Luck be a lady. Luck be a lady tonight. Stick with me, baby. I'm the guy that you came in with. Luck be a lady. Luck be a lady. I actually really liked uh, when we got into the sewer. I was like, "Oh, what a cool!" I loved the set. I was yeah, like, yeah. "This is such a cool set." And then I loved the like craps craps game ballet. I was like, "Oh, yeah. what a what a visual!" I was so tickled by it because I was like, "Oh, they they're not gonna do it," and then they did it, and I was like, "Okay, go absolutely orf." <laughs> I also lied when I said I was going to be my last reference to Nap because I did remember one other interesting thing he said, which is that uh, Luck Be a Lady Tonight is also sort of a prayer and that there's like ways that they make the gamblers kind of like parallel to the religious people because he's like praying to like maybe the Madonna or something with Luck Be a Lady and that also that they're like finding secret places to do their worship like early christians of like meeting in the sewers to have our our meeting together that's like so important to nathan that he has to has to have this this crafts game and everything um which i thought was like a fun concept to to view the musical through parallels now what is crap is it just rolling dice is it just rolling dice you roll dice and then you win or lose depending on what the dice you roll the higher, but higher how do you lower. know <laughs> higher lower I know than that what? there's something called snake eyes, which is where you get two Twos, ones. Two ones. And I uh-huh. don't know if it's good or bad, but I know it's I called think it's snake bad. Eyes. I think it's bad. Because and... that's when he has to give the dollar back to Nathan. Okay. Um, I don't know. I tried to look up on Google while I was watching this. Is the expression crap related to the game craps and google was broken by that question it could not parse <laughs> it could not parse the language well enough to understand what i was trying yeah. to get it to tell me the algorithm got lost yeah 
Um, well, there's no yeah. way to know how to play craps. It is crazy yeah. if you think about it. If the craps game literally was just dice, two dice rolling. Also, was gambling illegal? <laughs> is that what was going on? What was because they were betting Isn't on horses? Gambling always illegal. Yeah, but they had a betting horses stall. Was, like an is there, was there a time when gambling was it's not like prohibition is what i'm trying to say it's not like there was like a period where it was illegal and then it became pervasively legal again like it's has gambling always been at least somewhat illegal throughout american history yeah but isn't gambling only allowed on certain is it cities or is it states i thought it was cities well i don't i don't know there's some i mean i think Nevada states, it's fully legal yeah, I, didn't I say think that. it varies somewhat state to state. And then obviously on Native American reservations, it's allowed because they have their own government. Um, yeah. And then I like, I mean, it, there are different rules because now like sports betting is allowed and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. like, I don't, I don't know that crafts was ever legal. And I think also outside of the context of like an institution, like, <laughs> like in Vegas, you go to a casino to play crafts. I don't know if, we, if ever we, I'm not considering myself a gangster in the 50s. I don't know if private American citizens have ever been allowed to run gambling rings. I think that's always been illegal. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a great example as to uh, why funds for the police need to be diverted elsewhere because this man has way too much time on his hands worrying about a roaming, a floating craps game. I was like, you have nothing else to do at your police officer job than worry about this floating craps game, sir. This and you know great- all the people doing it. You literally know all of them. So this is like- a great piece of evidence to bring into a real <laughs> topic of a social discussion. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you. That's what everybody Let's comes here for. Police reform and what I really need to dive into here is guys yeah. and dolls. <laughs> Piece of evidence number one: <laughs> Frank Lesser's guys and dolls. <laughs> um. Yeah. There's not I, honestly a ton to talk about about this movie. Um, so the other things that I wrote down were sit down, you're rocking the boat. I thought could be bigger. I, I think mean, it's better it's on stage. Bad. It's better it's, on stage. Yeah. Yeah. There's more to play around. When you mentioned the whole gospel, like, uh, from the all black revival, it feels like that is the like big gospel number, at least from well, the, it's, it's very, a revive. It's a revivalist like sounding song. Yeah. So like. it's definitely missing that i mean even from the movie it was just like that one shot of the angle and it's like him singing standing upright in the front and then the the different gangsters just standing up and down you know um yeah this movie is not one that i would say on the whole characterizes dance well if we want to include this in our it's not a discussion of dance movie there are moments i feel like yeah, I mean, I think the opening, and I also think that the the, the game, craps the craps ballet game. in the, the, in the craps sewer, ballet. Both, <laughs> I think those but are both really say, good capturing the dance. But I would say the thing about the opening, I mean, it is technically dance. I don't want to take that away from it, but I almost want to say it's more of a pantomime, like the way a panto. the Between way that they're like, two. yeah, yeah, it's like living in the, it's an liminal space, mm. one could say. Between liminal those, two. <laughs> that it's word. Space. I want Adelaide to do a burlesque number about liminal space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
I'll play here. Let me play. Let me play a little bit of sit down. You're rocking the boat. And I said to myself, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. I said to myself, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. And the devil will drag you under with a soul so heavy you'd never float. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Sit down, you're rocking, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Sit down, you're rocking, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Okay, and that was Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. Um, Should we talk about, I mean, we've discussed it, no. Should we talk about it, we've discussed it before with Christmas on the Square, but should we Talk about Christianity in America. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I've always talked um, about Molly, Christianity. When Adam was doing research and he realized that the Save a Soul uh, mission was based on the Salvation Army, it was as if he realized that. that uh, I he was literally, so floored. He was so floored. He was like, it's the Salvation Army. And I was like, yeah. That's why they're yeah. called like Sergeant That's and why General. They're called I was like, Generals. I, was, I in fact. <laughs> Was surprised when I watched this because I I always think it is literally is the, the Salvation, Salvation Army. And I'm like, in red. A soul. Yeah, yeah, it's like pretty. It's a pretty clear one to one. There, very clear. <laughs> no. Well, I've also only known Salvation Army as just like Santa Clauses that ring bells. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, fine. Um, I but just in general, I do think like I liked that this movie. I kind of said said that earlier, but I liked that this movie did not pick a side which one was correct. I liked that because yeah. they both come together. It's like it's really centrism that's really the greatest American asset. We have. <laughs> Here I go getting canceled again. Centrism uh, expressed through heterosexuality. Yes, that's the here American we go. Dream. Heteronormativity, absolutely. This episode was brought to you by Amy Klobuchar. Thank you, Amy, <laughs> <laughs> for sponsoring this episode. I'm imagining a, a presidential ad that just says het, um, centrist heterosexual. Paid, yeah. <laughs> Paid for by the centrist heterosexual. Heterosexuals of America. Of America. <laughs> Centrist uh, heterosexuals of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, Marlon and Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. Uh, you know, a real a real one to one for <laughs> Amy Klobuchar and Bea Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> we could have had it, America. You could have had it. I'm extremely, <laughs> I'm extremely tempted now to turn the closer into cast this using. Uh, Democratic president <laughs> from 2020. <laughs> Done. Oh, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um, but I did. Uh, I I also thought it was like the other thing that I thought too. The like the way they were able to because you shouldn't really, especially in the 50s, you shouldn't be able to like point out Christianity and be like it's not. It's not all that it's cracked up yeah. to be, which is kind of what this movie is like saying. But I thought this movie did a really like the script did a really interesting thing of like the way they talk about the people who sin are they're like they're the like they they refer to them so like um like I don't know how to say it. they just are so mean about yeah. them like they like call them like disgusting and like other stuff like that that I was like I guess if you're gonna like point out that they're a bit hypocritical i guess that's a way to do an easy way to do it is to be like 
they're so it's not a back it's not actually about like saving souls it's about a certain it's like a quota as opposed to like actually doing work if that makes sense yeah and i think that like the going back to like the buttoned up appearance of sarah's um suit which amazing that she gets married in it in the end i yeah. love it um <laughs> like they make her them white very <laughs> yeah they make them not all that sympathetic of character they're they're like so wooden and disconnected that like it's hard to i think even quite christian people probably wouldn't see themselves in those characters for the most part um also this mission needs some help with community outreach because like their events are extremely boring they're just like come in and sit in a hard chair and go to a prayer meeting that's that's your idea of how to get people in the door now they do have donuts that i respect i like a donut coffee absolutely it's like it's like they're like i I don't know what to do i keep going in the street and telling people to come here and pray instead of gambling and they're just like not interested and it's like a yeah bud like could you think of any other activities you could be doing in the mission active programming uh could you uh i thought it was crazy that their prayer meeting is at like midnight on a thursday i was (laughs) like what That I did think actually was the one I was like, okay, we're thinking a little bit creatively about how to reach the community because I feel like at midnight might That's be a time active when you're time. Like, yeah, I've, I've made and I've like made some bad choices tonight already, and maybe I need to like. Yeah. I need to pray. You know yeah. I mean? I've already lost so much money gambling. I need if to. If you're sit. in the gutter at eleven thirty, maybe a midnight prayer meeting sounds like a good idea. And a, a hot, fresh coffee and donuts. Mm-hmm. A donut at midnight. A donut I at midnight. Say no. <laughs> a sour cream donut those, of those donuts aren't fresh no those donuts are that's not fresh true. that's true yeah. um but it was agree. the same it was the same prop donuts for the entire, yeah, movie. entire movie also the fact this is another great thing <laughs> this movie takes place in the course of three days amazing the longest amazing, day. amazing. long day's journey into tonight <laughs> <laughs> into this week uh and also i speaking of people losing money there's a moment where big julie is like I've lost 25 G's. I got to make it back. And I was like, sir, you are way too casual about losing potentially $25,000. So then I was like, were G's at this point not thousands? Were they hundreds? Was it 25? Was it $2,500? I don't understand because he was very like, I got to get, I don't know. I got to get this money back. And I was like, sir, this is 1930. $25,000 is half a bajillion. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Inflation. They really, uh, they really shock you with some of those gambles that those gamblers take, but it's all for dramatic effects, Adam. I don't know if you've heard of the term raising the stakes before. <laughs> no need. No need in this no movie. No need in this movie. <laughs> Let's go back Centric. to GSTP and... Uh... <laughs> Let's keep the stakes uh, at a central level, please. Uh, well, is that it? Is this going to be do... our short... Oh, okay. I will no, just throw be. in some... some... <laughs> I will just throw in Artists some great. He's got to run it out. We got to keep going, y'all. Stretch this out. Yeah, because this movie was two and a half hours long, so we got to beat that. For we sure. have a three-hour episode. Uh, no, there was just a couple of one-liners that I really loved. Um, when Sky said, when Sky was trying, like first meeting Sarah, he said, "The only thing that's been in more hotel rooms than I have is the Gideon's Bible," like something to that effect, which I genuinely chuckled at and then oh, <laughs> and then, this... the, 
And then Adelaide's friend, who first of all comes in and it's like, I need to borrow earrings <laughs> in her dressing room. Uh, already stealing the show. Amazing. She's This is a great performance. It's a great one. Yeah. a woman who... Don't know her name. Don't know her I name. I don't even know if she gets credited in this movie. <laughs> because you know how movies in like before like 1970 would just have people you were like, there's no name that yeah. we don't know. We'll never know. She had so she she had the whole earrings uh exchange, and then after she after they said that like they were eloping, she she goes up to Adeline and goes, Your blintzes are getting cold. Yeah. <laughs> Blintzes. Blintzes. A cheese blintz. A cheese blintz. Famously at Mindy's. I also want to... Um, Which is a crepe? Yeah, it's like a, a, a crepe filled with like... Cheese. cheese. So a crepe. But it's like a sweet cream cream cheese. Uh, so it's a crepe. So it's a crepe. Uh, <laughs> but it's like rolled like this. Like an enchilada. <laughs> Rather oh. than like folded in oh. triangles like a crepe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I also told Adam this week on RJ's food RJ's rock. Food rock. I was like, blintzes. I need to make Mindy's entire menu: strudel, cheesecake, blintzes. Um, no, what was the other thing? The the he asks for something at the beginning, and they're out of it. And the waiter's like, Danish. "Either get the cheesecake or don't. I don't yeah. care." Yes, was it the Danish? A Danish. And he's like, "The Danes all took him or whatever." Oh yeah, the, no, the <laughs> Danes are on a, a holiday or something. Yeah, a, it's a holiday in Denmark. It's yes, just such good one-liners. Good one-liners. Uh, I just love the power of a good one-liner. If you yeah. have, if you have a knack for good one-liners, you could win RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. So. People have done it before. People, People will do it before. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. I do want to, can we talk about, I feel like we haven't really touched on this fight. This is the last thing I want to talk about. Oh, the Havana. Havana fight. <laughs> Havana. Did you see it You've seen this movie before, right, Molly? Um, I don't think I'd seen the movie. I think I'd just seen bits of the movie, but I'd, I've seen the musical a few times. Is there a fight in the musical? First. Yes, there is a fight. Oh, there is? Yeah. This felt okay. I'm very surprised by that because this felt like something that was like, oh, it's we're in a movie, so we can like do a whole like. No, I remember in our not this in our high school production, it was like yeah, like a choreographed, very like Spanish Rose from Bye Bye Birdie, like um it's like dancing that gets too carried away and then like yeah stylized fighting stylized punching which i think the only thing that i was like super weird about was that like it was like not scored at all so it was just silent and then the sound effects of things being thrown like chairs being thrown at people (laughs) i mean i will say the one thing that if they do make a new version they're gonna have to address is the like representations of people of color and like using cuba as a stand-in for like yeah. place with more free sexuality right like that's, yeah. that's not great yeah. um but it's the one thing that feels like you you really have to change like i've said like i said earlier yeah. i feel like the gender stuff is like yikesy but in a winky way that you could pretty easily play it off i will say to speaking of havana uh <laughs> he was like, I'm picking you up at noon. And then they were like in Havana. And I was like, how long is a flight from New York to Havana? What's going on? So it's four hours uh, right. in case anybody's curious. So they get there around yeah. four. So they get there around four. So dinner and drinks. Dinner, drinks. And then they get back in front of the mission right before dawn. So yeah, yeah. that checks out. Like yeah. a, tw- a full like 12 
No. Like 16-hour trip? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I would be Same. so zonked after. I would be sleeping for a whole day. Like, that's I guess so Cuba, much. <laughs> I guess Cuba is the closest country in the Caribbean. It's just yeah. weird. Oh, for sure. It's also very strange because this movie and this musical is set or like was created pre-Bay of Pigs. Mm, so yeah. I like only know Cuba in context of post that. Yeah. So it was so it very. It's like it's like hard to get to because yes. you're like not allowed to. Go yes. there. Allowed That's to. literally what happened. Yeah. I was like, well, you can't go to Cuba. What are you talking about? You can't just <laughs> go, go to, to Cuba. Yeah. yeah. It's like, did you mean San Juan? Did you mean right. uh, somewhere? Do you mean Miami? No, it's like <laughs> extremely close to people take like rowboats to go from Cuba to Miami. I mean, not yeah, like yeah. responsibly. You shouldn't do it. But people who are like yeah. desperately trying to flee Cuba do that. So. It's like very. I think it's like fifty miles or something. It's not. It's not that long. It's ninety, I believe. Oh, okay. Thank you. Ninety from the Keys, I think, mm. which is already a bit. But yeah. yeah, crazy. Anyway, I thought this movie was good, and I recommend a movie from nineteen fifty-five. <laughs> so there you go. I think this gets the showcase stamp of approval, except the- for the fact <laughs> that the finale is not a full oh, new it number. Is not a finale. But the way that it like. They like freeze frame and the music like kind of continues a little bit over the freeze frame into yeah. the end. I was like, that is that's the vibe that I want for. Finale. But here's the thing: it wasn't a freeze frame. They told they all told the actors to, to, to stop in place. Oh, yes, so it, the, the lights kept blinking in the back. But it was just funny yeah. watching them all literally like. <sighs> I didn't think it was an actual freeze frame because yeah, you can see that they're breathing and stuff. But that yeah. I loved actually because that's what it would be in theater. Is it that's would be true. like. Freeze, but produced through the actor's body. So, yeah. There was a weird kind of like... Yeah, the, it's the improv game Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was weird, like, right before the finale, not kind of getting any more from Sarah and Skye. Like, we didn't obviously get the big, like, reunion kiss or whatever, like, chasing him, chasing him down. It was, like, her realizing, oh, he's leaving? Like, that's what he meant? And then she runs off. And then it's the wedding. And I liked that he he was like, "Oh, I lost the bet to like save her honor." Yeah. It was like I think the vibe that was you're supposed to get, and that was how she realized that he was like a good guy. I thought that was yeah. very sweet too. Yeah, but it, I felt like it was just very like this is clearly a movie of its time because it's that like the action is happening somewhere else of like you're you're left to assume that like they made up because you're about to watch them get married which yeah i do wish that she i love that she wore what she was wearing but i do wish she also got a dress because adelaide got a dress yeah it would have been nice to see that also the fact that they literally do the double wedding in times square i know iconic they're like traffic is heavy at this time of day so we're gonna do this quick i know um it's so funny that's that george m cohan fake statue that was like next to them anytime they were out in the like square so good Mm -hmm. um a real a real barrio you know what i mean a real neighborhood times square in the heights are you listening in the heights are you listening Uh, a sense of community (laughs) (laughs) just curious molly when are we going to talk about the the current status of guys and dolls the remake is that what you oh yeah do we want to talk about that quick before we do uh the critical critical response so i when i was i was just like looking up guys and dolls to uh look at like who the actors were and stuff and then google suggested remake 
I don't know enough about like movie production to know how certain this is if they're at this Mm -hmm. phase of it, but Sony has the rights to it and they have hired Bill Condon to direct who is known for, he directed the Beauty and the Beast remake. Mm -hmm. He wrote and directed Dreamgirls. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. means he wrote the musical as well or if he like we did the the screenplay yeah the adaptation adaptation. um did the screenplay for the chicago film that won the oscar and he co-wrote the the chicago film (laughs) i was trying to say it in a way that made it clear that it's not the The musical chicago yeah nor the city he did not (laughs) co-write the screenplay of the city of chicago him and lori lightfoot co-wrote not lori but i feel like i feel like from just what i know based off of like retrospectives of films that did get made that like Mm -hmm. it feels like someone has the rights and they have a director is very like is it really gonna happen or are they just like brainstorming ideas for like i don't know how certain this is that it would really come out but it's an interesting concept and i will be holding my opinion until i have much more information what was bill's because the the floated the floated stars were going to be channing tatum was sky and joseph gordon levitt was nathan detroit Mm. i mean that's good casting that's pretty good it's pretty good what was your question I was just going to say, like, what was the last major thing that Bill did, Bill Condon did? I think Beauty and the Beast. Oh, right, right, right. Which I believe that you told me at the time that you had a friend who said that that was a perfect film, so. Yeah. Still our friend. Wildly. Still our friend. On, yeah. We don't uh, agree on film. We don't agree on movies, uh, so we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, yeah he it doesn't was, listen so to this, so it's fine. Creator- and, he, and it was the highest grossing movie of that year, too, which was also crazy. Wow. Well, the creator of a perfect film taking on a different perfect film. So, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll be all right. Maybe the kids will be uh, all right. But if he adds like token feminism to it, I'm gonna be mad. You gotta <laughs> lean. You gotta lean, lean hard in. into how anti-feminist the musical is. The other thing that's too bad is that they cut "Marry the Man Today" in this. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I do as like well. So I hope they bring it back, and I hope that they make the feminism through winks and nods and innuendos and not through emma watson teaching a girl to read so (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the Uh. at the end of the movie sarah brown played by emma watson speaks at the un (laughs) with malala (laughs) oh no the powerpoint slide about what feminism is Yeah. yeah um oh my god i'm so teary-eyed because i can't stop yawning Oh, because you're so you're so, so broken up by Emma Watson's oh feminism. God. It's so yeah. touching, guys. She's retired. The girl didn't know how to read, and she retired from acting. And she made the laundry machine, but like the people broke it because they were just mean. <laughs> and I can't. You remember oh. way more about the live action video than I do. I've never seen it. I've just watched video essays criticizing. Uh, uh, uh. Did what's her face do one for that? I think I think it's a Johnny Nicholson. Did, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's why it. it's in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I'm like just... it's also a joke she keeps repeating, where she like just show you the laundry machine again throughout the video. Yeah. Well, what have people been saying about this movie? So on Rotten Tomatoes, this holds a ninety-one percent rating. Um, the only review I could get online of the time, like of a 
a review that happened when the movie came out and not like a 50 year reassessment of whether or not guys yeah. and dolls is good. Um, so the only one I saw was uh, a variety uh, review in which the review was by variety staff. So not even a named person <laughs> wrote this. In Nobody turn, gets al- credit for anything the, in the 50s. The 1955 algorithm wrote this. Um, and here's the pull quote I wanted to use. Vivian Blaine is capital in her original stage role. <laughs> capital. I agree. Capital. When did capital. we stop saying capital? Joe Mar- that happen? Joe March tried to make it happen and we didn't... Oh. More Our people should listen to Joe back. March. Yeah, yes. We're gonna, we'll, we're gonna start saying it. Yeah, for the Joes of the <laughs> for the Joes <laughs> for the Joes listening. <laughs> um, but on Letterboxd, Vincent, uh, the People's Voice, <laughs> Letterboxd. Uh, uh, yeah, the People's Voice. Uh, user ca- named Vincent Price was six four. <laughs> great, great username. <laughs> Gave it four stars and said, Marlon Brando can't sing, but who cares? <laughs> the set design, the colors, Gene Simmons getting into 30-person brawls in Cuba. What a film! <laughs> <laughs> Did Adam write this? It was me, I wrote it. Uh, I am Vincent Price with 6'4". Um, Jesse gave it three and a half stars and says, this feels like the longest movie ever made, but it also just makes me feel happy. Oh. Um, which is great, because I will say... It was a very long film. It was pretty. Yeah, it was there was long. mom called. My mom called in the <laughs> middle Nan. of the film. Hello, mom. And I was like, "Oh, we're watching Guys and Dolls." And she was like, "Oh, are you doing that for your podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Okay." And then proceeded to talk to me for like a half hour. And when we started back the movie again, I was like, "Oh, there can't be that much left." There were forty, 40 minutes, minutes left of this film. Left. I was like, <laughs> "This is but. actually very funny because also my mom called me in the midst of watching this because." <laughs> Mom, mom senses just knew Mom's like no. guys and dolls are playing. It's because my mom and sister and I talk every Sunday, and we like hadn't figured out what time we were gonna talk. So I just started the movie and decided I'd pause it whenever they called me. Um, so I also paused for like an hour and a half long conversation. <laughs> well, at what point did you pause? Do you yeah. remember? I was like only fifteen minutes in. They were oh, in okay. Mindy's okay. eating cheesecake. Yeah. Okay. Mine was my mom called during the Sky Masterson Adelaide scene. Oh, okay. In the dressing room. In the dressing yeah. room. Um, she did have notes about the podcast. We can talk about that off mic. Oh, oh, mic. oh Rita, Rita wanted to say that she's really impressed with your production work, Adam. She really <gasps> wow. appreciates all of the songs you put in and feels like you timed them very well. So, Even the yeah. ones that we were uh, told to stop by Anchor <laughs> because Taylor Swift wanted Swifties to came oh, for Taylor us. Taylor Swift. Oh, God. <laughs> Our podcast uh, got reported for just playing the the clip of Taylor Swift singing McCavity and no other parts of the musical yeah. cats. So we know it's Taylor Swift. An episode. No, you did it. An episode in which we play, I think, eight songs from <laughs> Cats, the musical. So that was wild. Yeah. Yeah, but we got to save it because we are doing. This is a review. We are doing reviews. We're reading. I'm sure that Rita will be happy to represent us as our attorney if Taylor Swift brings Oh my God, I forgot. Absolutely. 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 (laughs) Um, And then my favorite review is from Lara P. She gave it three stars and said, guys and dolls in this economy, which is not a review, (laughs) but it is funny. Yeah. Uh, Great. That's good. 
Molly, what's your closer? The closer is we are going to have a snake draft. Do you know what a snake draft is? It's a sports reference. So it's, it's where you like go in order, right? You go in order. So you, you go in order and then you go back up the oh, line. So whoever goes last gets to go first in the next round. Okay. So we're going to hold a snake draft on who should appear in the remake, assuming it's happening. We do not have to stick to any rumored cast members. Mm-hmm. You cannot argue with or recast anyone that anybody else in the draft has cast. Wow. Because so, they'll be busy making that production. There's going to be three there's movies gonna be three, coming out. Yeah, there's going to be three, four Bill Condon's productions, and then each of us has a... Or are we drafting we're, one we're, production? We're making one movie. Ah, got it, got it. So oh, you have to yes and whatever choices are made yes. by other members. I've written down the characters that I think we should cast, which are Sky, Sarah, Adelaide, Nathan, Nicely, Nicely, and Big Julie. So yeah. each of us will get two people, basically. Right. Yes. But okay. so I have them written for reference, but we don't have to follow that order. So whoever you want, to, whoever you want to yeah. claim first. Yeah. I didn't write an order for the draft, though. So I don't know. Rock paper scissors. Or- Molly's the youngest, so we'll let Molly go first. Oh Thank wait, you, yes. I'm the youngest. Are you? I don't. Well, wait. Wait. When when's you your born? birthday? November nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah. Adam's the youngest. I'm the youngest. 92. I don't want to go Adam, first. RJ's I'm the, the oldest, so we're so gonna Adam. let RJ go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh <laughs> I just didn't want to go first. Um, I think I'll go. Ooh. This is tough. This is really tough. Cause I, I I I'm leaning towards casting one of the women first. I, I wanna say get Adelaide. But I feel like you have a better sense of like what an Adelaide could be. Thank you. I think you you have a better eye for I an don't know Adelaide if that's casting. True, but thank you. Um. So maybe I'll go for Sarah because I'm then- gonna I'm gonna pull Vivian Blaine from the dead. I'm gonna cast a spell <laughs> re- and reanimate her corpse so she can oh, do no. this. Movie. Let her rest, my God. <laughs> um. So maybe I'll go for a Sarah. And well, yeah, um, if you're going for a woman, I, there's only two. Well, the other thought that I was thinking about was casting Big Julie as like a a Julie, a Julie, a Julie, a Julie, a Julie. I think I might actually do that. I think I'm going to go for go Big for Julie and I'm actually going to go for like a Leslie Jones. I think she will be Ooh. really funny. And really, like, just the visuals. I, I want to see the visual of Leslie fully towering over, like, like <laughs> typical, like, 30s gangsters around. So I would say I love that idea. And if if this was me casting a big Julie, <laughs> I would cast uh, specifically, <laughs> this is so niche, I hate myself. I would cast specifically Che Diaz. Oh, from the from the and just like that, from sex and in just the city like reboot. that, the Sex in the City reboot. So, um, with the snake draft, though, we have to go with RJ's pick. Right, right, right. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're just, you're just if, he, if he did it, which is outside of the rules of the game. But yes, just commenting. For... He's just tweeting. You know, yeah. if I had my tweeting. way, yeah. yeah, just quote tweeting. Um, I will take as the second oldest. I will take Sky. <laughs> And mm. I'm going to cast because I'm in love with him, Jeremy Jordan from oh. uh, oh. and Newsies on Broadway. Because yeah. I feel having played Jack in Newsies, he's got the requisite. It is uh, definitely, gangster. and I feel like now he's he's older, and I feel like it's yeah. more like a gentleman, yeah. a GQ 
kind of je ne sais quoi to him <laughs> or like what he could bring to this. So your cast so far, Adam, is Jeremy Jordan and Leslie Jones. <laughs> Find us a bridge between those Find two. <laughs> Find a glue. Um, so I am going to choose Nicely Nicely to cast. And I'm going to choose... Um, hold on. I have to double check his name really quick. It's, it's spelled C-O-R-D-E-N. <laughs> What is it's pronounced Corden, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I choose I choose Michael Pena. Um oh. star of Ant-Man. Yes. Star of Ant-Man. Uh, a star in Ant-Man. Um uh I think he's very funny. Uh and he delivers straight like uh flat really well. Um, so I would choose him for. He was the dad. I have no idea if he can sing, but in my in our version, dubbing will be occurring if need be. He was the dad in uh, the Door of the Explorer movie. If you saw that, yeah. <sighs> it's back to me. I don't have one. I want to cast Adelaide, but I feel like I just everyone I'm thinking of feels inadequate for this role that I love so much. Yeah. Cassie, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go three times. You're gonna cast again. Oh, or shoot. Yeah, I was gonna say, or do we make Adam do it again and then go back up? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Okay. <laughs> so, so cut a row. Adam, Adam, Adam this is a, a note for you. Adam, this is a note for you in your editing. Cut this part out. And Rita podcast. will never hear this because I'm such a good great uh, audio producer. Audio producer. Um, okay, fine. I will cast Adelaide. I will be casting Adelaide as Miss Chloe Feynman of Saturday Night Live fame. Oh! Big eyes. Big eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Her cabaret acts would be really fun, actually. Because she does voices. I just need whoever plays Adelaide to do that voice. Like, you can't... You have to do the voice. You have to do the voice. Also, I didn't bring this up, but... Adelaide added so many syllables to the word pearls. It was like Pyrolas. chef's, chef's kids. Pyrolas. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You ugly bitch. Yes. Yeah. Ugly bitch. Ugly bitch. <laughs> um, now it's back to me and I still haven't thought of one. We have who's left? Sarah and Nathan? Sarah, Sarah and Nathan. Nathan. So Sarah needs to be, I feel like Sarah needs to be big voice, fairly young. Not mm-hmm. like super young, but it's me. And like at first, I was like maybe Amy Adams, but like I can't put Amy Adams with Jeremy Jordan. Um, <laughs> oh, look at that nice man and his moms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Nathan, I feel like because we were saying how we like that Sinatra was a little bit older, we need mm-hmm. someone who's like just becoming a bit grizzled. Yeah. Um, David Harbor. <laughs> yeah, I think that, but I think he's too grizzled. Do you yeah. know what? I'm gonna go big swing. Kit Harrington as Nathan Detroit. Oh, John uh, Snow. John Snow oh, in Eternals. Oh, oh. He was the boyfriend of Jesse yes, 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 in Eternals. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, I think he could do the the slightly more grizzled part, and I think he would pair interestingly with Jeremy Jordan. And I also love the idea because I think he's quite short of him with Leslie Jones in the Big Julie. Series. Yes. So yeah. I'm gonna go. Kit no, Harrington. RJ. <gasps> 
You have to cast. I have to cast Sarah. Sarah. I, that and is you a have to cast a K-pop idol. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give like, uh, basically like ingenue fulfills the role of like the ingenue, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Cause she's really not a typical ingenue to be clear, but has, but has like a little bit more of a, a dynamic to her or she a dynamism. A dynam- yeah. I think, I think the role calls for someone who is charismatic because, because mm-hmm. What it's asking her to do is be very stiff. You need someone who's like interesting enough that you care about her past yeah. that, right? Yeah. Oh, it's all writing on you, I think. know. Our favorite. It's the linchpin of our, our favorite performance in this movie was Gene Simmons. So it was big footsteps. Okay, can I do the little brainstorming session? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I do want to throw Ariana Debose out there because I think she's very talented, but I don't know if. She may come off as a little too strong, but she does a really great job in Schmigadoon of kind of doing she that. Plays the same similar, she yeah. plays that same role. So I, I, I feel like she would be a good option to throw in there. But maybe you want to let her expand her horizons and not uh, pigeonhole her into a specific Absolutely. type of role. Yeah, but I mean, Anita was pretty different. And also the bullet in Hamilton. I'm just saying it's not where she's only played. I also do like that pick because she's like a legitimate Broadway person and Jeremy Jordan is as well. So I do like having the main couple be that and true then, Broadway stars. Yeah, and then the other couple be more Hollywood. Yeah, let's throw Ariana in there. I think that's there. right. I think it's yeah. good casting. And I would refer to Schmigadoon in my, like, you know, in my pitch deck, I would throw in clips of Schmigadoon to kind of seal the deal. That tap number. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post on Instagram our pitch deck of um, our, our Absolutely. Deck. <laughs> this is fun. We, we have an do... Instagram? Oh, the Ampliverse one. Yeah. But Follow this the is fun. Instagram. We should do this more often. We should. No. We, sh- we should. It's so hard. It was extremely difficult. <laughs> I know. But it was. It was. It's fun I, to kind every of. Every time I write the closer and I never think, oh, maybe think about this question ahead of time. <laughs> so you're ready when it comes up on the, the podcast. Is, before we recorded, Adam was like, oh, Molly wrote a closer. And then he told me about it. And I was like, oh, that's fun. And then we both yeah. didn't think about it. I should actually say every time that I do write the closer, not that I write oh. the closer every <laughs> time because we all know that i i'm at about a 75 percent rate so far <laughs> okay in four minutes because that's when we hit two hours can, <laughs> can we cast can we cast these six characters As using the 2020, the 2020 dnc <laughs> yes, candidates okay, okay. so um, skies is a uh, booker for sure cory booker sky masterson um, okay. I'm gonna say Sarah. This is a swing. This is a huge swing. Um, Sarah has to be uh, what's her name from Hawaii? Tulsi Gabbard. Correct. Adelaide is Marianne Williamson. Wait, who did you who did you say first, Molly? Cory Booker, Sky Masterson. Oh, Cory Booker, Sky Masterson. Yeah, yeah. Um, dating Rosario Dawson or married to Rosario Dawson. I think so I engaged. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Nathan, uh, slightly grizzled. Uh, this is this is when it gets difficult. When yeah, one of the one of the Denver, not Hickenlooper, but the other one, <laughs> not Kasich because that's Ohio. The, I think Julian Castro. As Nathan? Nathan. 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Julian. Julian. Julian Castro. Oh, or Beto O'Rourke. And it's just sort yes. of like ironic that he like is meant to be a person people respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, he's giving it another go and governor. So and avoiding know. his wife is like in line with the character. So <laughs> maybe actually Beto is Jesus the right <laughs> I would actually. I, I mean, don't like Peter well, Rourke. I don't know if you guys can tell. <laughs> I would say like, like I feel like Julian. Now you're thinking about it, could also be a good Sky too. Um, yeah, maybe Julian is Sky and and Beto is Nathan. Beto is Nathan. Yeah, and Corey is nicely, nicely. Oh, okay. I can get down yeah. with that. Yeah. And Elizabeth Warren as Big Julie. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> no one else. Nancy Pelosi is well what a what a nice what a memory lane. <laughs> and Kamala Harris as the woman who tells her friend her cheese braces <laughs> are cold <laughs> I need some earrings I need some earrings diamonds are pearls <laughs> do not come do not come <laughs> Kamala Harris in Havana telling telling Sarah. Oh my god, come. that's so funny. Tulsi Gabbard is Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly so perfect. It's such a good poll. <laughs> Poor Amy left out in the cold. We started this joke with Amy and Pete not even on the cast. They sponsor list. I mean they they're they're EPs, obviously. They're, they, they're they in the, the movie. Um, they're in the burlesque numbers. They're, they're just girls on stage behind they're just, Marianne. They're just cats on stage. Uh, they're the they're the two. In no, the... they're the the man and wife pretending like their three card Monty table is a baby carriage. Oh, yeah. in the opening number. <laughs> yeah, they're both. They're both. They're bit. They're bit players that you see throughout the movie. Yes, you know ensemble. What I mean? yeah. And you know what? Yes. We gotta give it up for the ensemble. They're the bullet. They're the bullet. They're the bullet. <laughs> oh my god well this was a treat thank you so much uh this will be the last time you hear me uh, have joy in, oh, in march no. of this month uh because our next musical i will not be laughing oh gosh i got really nervous that there was just something terrible happening in your life and you were well, gonna be like there will turning be. 30 cancer treatment soon and <laughs> Yeah, this is where I'm revealing it on pod. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. We just we're going to be watching a movie. I don't really the want movie to watch, that but... we have been saying for years, for years, years is 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 the worst movie that Adam has ever seen, and we are mm -hmm. fine for our fans. You've asked, for you've it. asked for it, when we were finally giving it to you, and you'll uh, get to hear the trailer. You'll get to hear the trailer in just about. a moment. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, this was fun. Guys and dolls, we're just a bunch of crazy guys, guys and dolls. Thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast, Showgaze. You can find us on social media. Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram. And Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. 
If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode. And I had your attention. You're all dismissed. Bankrupt. Better luck with your next job. This is not the life I promised you. Not even close. Cause we don't want your broken parts. Girls, I think I've had an idea. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I draw. P.T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. I need a star. Every one of us is special. And nobody is like any one of us. That's the point of my show. Ready? Showtime. by being like everyone else. I can't just run off and join the circus. Why not? I mean, you clearly have a flair for show business. For show business? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. Because I just invented it. Discovering Voices. Building Worlds.